Hey, it's Lisa. This episode of the REIT Search Podcast is sponsored by my Credible Health Bug Shop. If you're a nutritionist, dietitian, fit pro, or health coach, the shop contains a ton of done-for-you content to save you time and fill your digital marketing calendar. Every piece of content in the shop is pre-written, well-researched, expertly edited, and limited edition. As a health pro, you could choose from either long form or mini articles in your field of interest and use them to stay in touch with your audience without having to do the research and content creation yourself. Simply customize and paste them into your blog, email software, or social media platform and hit publish. To check out the Credible Health Blog Shop, visit my website at lisacleach.com. That's L-E-E-S-A-K-L-I-C-H. Hi, everyone. For the next episode of the REIT Search Podcast, I'm Lisa. I'm Lindsay. Welcome back. Welcome. And today we're going to be talking about sustainable food because honestly, I was totally inspired by this topic because it's spring and because you know, farmers markets are opening and I'm actually trying to grow herbs. I have a very non-green thumb and I'm trying really hard <laughs> to get some parsley going in my pot. So it's still, sort of working. Um, but this is something, this is a topic that totally inspires me because also at this point in time, like right now we're in May, 2021. So it really feels like we are on an exit ramp out of the pandemic, which is so good. The thing is, there's still an existential crisis that we need to deal with after the pandemic is kind of, you know, settled, which may not be for another couple months or, or a year or more, hopefully sooner rather than, than later. Um, but that's climate change. Yes. And that's something that is totally on my agenda. What can I do to help and how can we get the word out? So I, I was totally inspired by this topic on sustainable food because I created uh, my latest done for you article, which is in the Credible Health Workshop about sustainable food. And of course, I found such cool studies to talk about. So here's one of them. I love that we're talking about this. I think this is such a critical topic to be talking about right now. Climate change is definitely a big issue we need to start taking more action. So I'm glad that you're sharing this information. Thank you. Yes, thank you. That, that you know, that reminds me of when I was in, I don't know if anybody else remembers OACs in Ontario. Yes, and I do. You remember OACs? Yeah. In great, in OAC, so that if you don't know, OAC was that kind of fifth year of high school um, before you go to university, which is no longer exists, but that no. it was called Ontario Academic Credit. Yeah, I was and the last year. And no so way. I, yeah, I was the last year that had to do that. And so when I graduated, it was like a double graduation year because yes. the, the following year didn't have to go through the like grade 12s, didn't have to go through OAC. So right. there was big concerns with all of the students because now we had this double wave trying to get into post-secondary. Right. Yeah. So thank God 
students don't have to do that anymore because that was <laughs> not fun. I hated having to do that fifth year. It was annoying. A lot of, yeah, that fifth year. And you only needed six OAC credits. So you only needed three per semester. So you didn't even fill up your schedule anyway. Yeah. One of the courses I loved the most in my OACs was called, uh, it was a geography course. And I think it was called World Issues. It was called World Issues. And I remember- oh, that would be a good one. Uh, yeah, it, it was so, it was so interesting. And I can't remember the exact year. I, I was, think it was 1990 when I was graduating. And I did this project back in 1990 on climate change. And back then, the science was still kind of newish. And I was so nervous getting in front of the class and presenting this newish concept that didn't have a ton of people on board. There were not 99% of the scientists were not in agreement at all at that time and yet here we are yeah in 2021 and we gotta get going with this like in a much bigger way than we are right now there's definitely a lot of pushback from some industry which is why i think there's been quite a lag in progression but really the the science is indisputable at this point we are very quickly approaching an apex point where we have to make some big changes or we're in serious trouble so and this is one of the ways to do it what we eat is such a, a huge contributor so tell us what does the research say that was a perfect segue because i have a question if you wanted to, that is exactly the next point okay so can you guess how much of all of the greenhouse gases humans release how much of that is only from agriculture alone just from food production do you have a wild idea? We're talking transportation, mining, you know, plastics creation, like all of those things. How much do you think is just agriculture? I'm going to say 35 to 40% would be my guess. You are so close. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. So food production alone, like just the farming, and this includes plants and animals, accounts for about 25% of global greenhouse gas emissions. And when you add on processing and transportation of food, you're up to 37%. Yeah, that's, that's really high. That's a lot. It's big and there's a lot of opportunity here to make food choices that are more sustainable. So now, can, can I ask a question then? Yes. Does that include deforestation down in South America? Because yeah. they're clearing so much forest to yes. make land for cattle raising. Right. Okay. So this study looks at a bunch of different things. So one is the greenhouse gas emissions. Okay. One is land use, which is exactly what you're talking about, yeah. as well yeah. as water use and even nitrogen use. So we'll look at all four of those and the impacts agriculture has. Um, but I mean, agriculture can make such a big difference, especially in the production of food. So if the production of food is up 25% and if you add everything else and it's 37%, we have the most bang for our buck just in choosing what types of foods we decide to farm. Yeah, I totally agree. So this study is called, and I quote, we got to get into the nerdiness, yeah. is called Climate Change Mitigation Through Dietary Change, nice. a systematic review and empirical modeling studies on the environmental footprints and health effects of sustainable diets. So of course, that's going to be linked in the notes below. Yeah. And before I dive in, 
the researchers are all from the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine in the UK. Okay. This was published in 2020 and it is a systematic review. So we know that is a seven out of seven on our how strong the studies are chart that we love to reference from yeah. Compound Chem. It is one of the best types of studies because it's a study that includes multiple other studies. Yeah. It's not just a one one off. All right. So get to the key points. In general, and again, there are some exceptions, but in general, a sustainable diet is a diet that is higher in plants yeah. and lower in animals, just in general. So this particular study looked at 18 different studies that met all of its preset criteria before they did their searches. And they actually published their systematic review protocol as a separate study online. So I'll link to that as well. So you can actually go in and see all of the search criteria they used and all of their um, criteria that would have excluded awesome. a lot of other studies from being included in this one. As I mentioned, we're going to look at greenhouse gases, water use, land use, and nitrogen use. And overall, they found a consistent evidence, like consistent with positive health effects and reduced environmental footprints. That's kind of a win-win. Yeah, well, I was going to say, as soon as you said that more sustainability means more plants, less animals, I was going to say that is one of the best diets that we've been able to ascertain from all the research because you don't you don't have to go vegan or vegetarian Agreed. but what you have to do is cut back on your animal consumption and start filling your plate with more plants yes. and that is again it's better for the environment it's better for the climate it's better for your health like it's just yeah you're right it's win-win across the board win-win yes and and again this study is not specifically advocating for any one particular diet, but as you reduce your animal intake and increase your plant intake, you are getting those double benefits. So the greenhouse gas emission, they looked at all different diets and there were a couple of diets that consistently came up to help with health and um, greenhouse gases more specifically. So for greenhouse gas emissions specifically, a vegan diet, reduces greenhouse gas emissions by over 80%. Wow, that's huge. Crazy. It's huge. Like green vegan diets win specifically when it comes to greenhouse gas emissions by a long shot and vegetarian is right behind them at 74.6% reduction. Wow. Yeah, those are big numbers. Huge. Like you can reduce the amount of greenhouse gases in like 75, 80% by cutting out meat. And again, personally, I'm not going to be cutting out all meat because I, I do love some meats. <laughs> um, but this is good news because I know like maybe instead of having it once every while, I'll have it once every bigger while. But have you heard of the vegan diet? Is that like pescatarian with fish? No, it's it was kind of a, from my understanding, it was kind of a fluke definition that was created I think kind of loosely associated with Mark Hyman but he was basically suggesting a hybrid between a vegan and a paleo diet is the best way to go so you have small amounts yeah it's so it's you have so much plant-based but then you get enough meat on your plate to make sure you're getting all the essential proteins you're getting a lot of the 
micronutrients that are harder to get in a vegan diet. So iron, B12, some of the EFAs, like lots of fish, but just enough to really help keep your health up, but not enough to have a huge impact on climate and other health issues that are often associated with it. So yeah, I just want to add that in. That sounds like this is exactly what we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting. Yeah. Right, right. So the P in that case is paleo, not P for pescatarian as in fish. Exactly. So that's interesting. Yeah. Cool. So, so that's specifically on greenhouse gas emissions. So we have clear winners um, in greenhouse gas emissions. When it comes to land use and nitrogen use, those sustainable diets in general do reduce the amount of land needed and the amount of nitrogen, which is in fertilizer, needed by a smaller amounts, like we're talking like 8.93, 11.2%, just in general, all of the sustainable diets put together. But do you know one area that the plant-based diets did not win? And that's water use. Oh, interesting. I, I did not see that coming. I thought you were going to say like corn or soy because they're so monoculture and they require so much fertilizer. But that makes sense. Right. The water use was actually higher in these diets that are more plant-based rather than animal. Oh, and you know what I didn't tell you at the beginning? Do you know how much out of all the fresh water that people consume every year or every day, whatever the percentage that goes to agriculture to actually producing food, it's like 80%. What? Most of the water that we take wow. from the earth, like 80% goes to agriculture, to feeding uh, or you know watering crops and animals. There seems to be more of a growth towards greenhouse growth in terms of these like hydroponic growth systems. I'm wondering if that would like, I've heard that reduces a lot of water consumption because everything is so contained. Right. I wonder if that there's going to be more research coming out talking about the benefits of that. That would be interesting. I have no idea. That would be interesting to know. Yeah, I don't know either. Right. Okay, cool. All right. Yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about health effects because we have four environmental effects. Uh, we know that a plant-based diet wins yes. over animal in greenhouse gases, nitrogen use and land use, but not water use. So what about the health effects of these diets, which we know fruits and vegetables are so good for everybody, right? Yes. So they looked at a bunch of risks based, um, compared it with a baseline diet. So these sustainable diets reduced risk of diabetes Yeah. specifically. A vegan diet reduces risk of diabetes by 19%. Wow, that's big. It's big. It's big. And I want to put this in context as well, because nobody's risk of diabetes is going to be 100%. Yeah. So whatever your risk of diabetes would have been, it is reduced by 19.3% for a vegan diet. And again, closely behind 17.8% for a vegetarian diet. Wow. That's impressive. And it, it goes like, I keep thinking now about that one episode we did where we were comparing vegan diet to right. an omnivore diet. And really it didn't come down to whether you eat meat or not, but the more plants you add into your diet, typically the less overall calories you're eating, which reduces your waist circumference, which improves your health outcome. If you want, go back and check right. that episode out. Yeah. There's a lot of intersections. There's here. tons. 
And, and then if we go just, I, I wanted to do top three for, for diabetes. And again, this is based on this one particular systematic review. And we are not advocating that everybody drops all animal foods. This is for context yes. and to understand how it works and you make the best decision for yourself. So I totally agree. Diabetes risk reduction is 19.3%. Vegetarian, 17.8, sorry, 19.3 for vegan, 17.8 vegetarian, and almost 10% just by reducing animal foods for diabetes. Wow. We also looked at cancer. I pulled out cancer as another one. They have a, a cool table um, and a chart that you can look at where you can see all of these numbers. Again, it's linked in the study. I didn't want to bore everyone with all the details, but I wanted to throw cancer out here as well. So the cancer risk reduction was, again, highest for vegan diets. So 11.7% reduction. Okay. Vegetarian is right behind, again, at 10.1% reduction. And then reducing animal sourced foods was almost a 10% reduction, 9.95. Wow. So the evidence of all of these studies put together in this particular systematic review, all point to improvements in health by having more plants yeah. in your diet. Do you know who Dr. William Lee is? I don't think so. Yeah, he does a lot of research in cancer and how to reduce your risk by consuming more vegetables. Because when you develop cancer, you have to have something happening called angiogenesis, which is the growth of new blood vessels. But what happens in cancer is the growth happens differently than it does normally. So basically, it's like sloppily put together. Um, because cancer grows so fast, they're just like, just get us some blood supply. So right. William Lee talks about how you can consume this anti-angiogenic diet which basically means you're eating plant-based foods that inhibit the growth of this type of blood vessel formation. So basically you're starving cancer before it has the chance to develop. And this is what he's focused his research on. He's got a TED talk and then you can go look up a whole bunch of his papers. We'll see maybe if we can link to it in the show notes if you want to check it out. But this is, you know, directly relates to what you're talking about. You know, you eat more plants and there's all these multifactorial ways that you're reducing your risk of cancer actually taking root and developing into a bigger health risk. Right. Angiogenesis, one of those multiple ways. Yeah. Yeah. One of them. So just when you were talking about that, it just made me think of that because he has some really interesting research out. Right. Right. It's his research clinical. Is it on cells? Like is it lab, lab work? You know, I can't remember, but I'll look okay. it up and we can post information in the show notes so people can go look into it themselves yeah. and like I said he's done a good TED talk so I'll, I'll make sure to add the link to that too cool so yeah that's that's cool. really neat how that there's multi studies showing how we can reduce our risk of health outcomes right and that's kind of the same thing for climate change yeah is there's studies on there are glaciologists and there are entomologists and there are you know atmospheric scientists like people from all different dis di disciplines are kind of being the same thing where they are and cancer research is no different there are so many researchers looking yeah. at all of these little details and when you start seeing the big picture putting it all together it gets clearer and clearer as we get more and more studies that's really interesting no, I, I there's so much overlap and there's just so many different ways of approaching all these different topics that it's it's really interesting to see all the perspectives so I love that you're adding this sustainability right. aspect to health of the planet and the health of people because they're so intertwined right. Yes, more intertwined than I even knew. 
before I started doing the research for yeah. this latest article, because, you know, you dive in and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so interesting. Like, what else is there to learn about this topic? So I think the episode should be called When in Doubt, Eat More Plants. <laughs> oh, yes. I think that's what we called it. Yeah. yeah well, because, yeah, I mean, really, it's just there's there's no, well, I guess water conservation would be the downside. But Right. Overall, I think that all the other benefits outweigh, but now I'm curious to see as we integrate more of this hydroponic farming, how that's going to impact water conservation. So, Right, right. I was going to say another thing I was thinking too is in terms of where we can actually do that kind of agriculture, because all of these numbers I'm showing are global. Yeah. Like these are global. These are studies from all over the world where there's different nutritional needs and different nutritional deficiencies and different food scarcity issues and food distribution issues and different food industries or, or companies doing things differently in different countries that looking at it globally is also such a different perspective than looking at like what's local. Yeah. Like I literally live 20 minutes from the largest year long farmer's market in Canada. Oh, wow. So it's so different here, I'm sure. And, and when I lived in Newfoundland, agriculture was always a challenge because it's so cloudy yeah. and so windy. So yeah, even, even in one country, things can be so different when it comes to agriculture. Yeah, I think Canada, and, and I know the U.S., presents a lot of unique challenges just because we have such different climates from one side to the other, right? Like you look at BC, it's, it, you know, you're looking at quite overcast, a lot of precipitation. You're in the mountains, which means there's a lot more unpredictability in terms of <laughs> weather systems. Um, right. But it's, it's beautiful there and there are pockets like in I'm not sure if you've been but in um, the Okanagan area they have really really rich yeah. soil their agriculture right. is fantastic but yeah like the Okanagan produces tons of fabulous produce but irrigation is a big problem there because technically that area is a desert and so you have great right. soil but but hard access difficult access to water right whereas you know I'm in Edmonton Alberta and it's just it's so dry here we have a lot of wheat here and there's a lot of rapeseed so canola is another big one but again there's we're really restricted with what we can grow here just because we have this weather unpredictability like so we're recording what is it May 20th today yep. and right before the long weekend we just got minus three in snow oh my gosh I did see that I yeah we that. just got like I woke up uh, the other day to an inch of snow and everybody on every social media platform was like what the <laughs> no welcome to Alberta like this is just what happened so you know big challenges here and then you know I know Ontario has fabulous produce we have great soil there yep. I say we because that's where I'm from born and raised but irrigation can again I think irrigation tends to be a big problem right you get all this good soil but how do you water everything so that it can grow yeah yeah it's it's interesting here and we even have like the two wine producing areas of Canada are in BC where they grow a lot of fruit yeah and in northern Ontario where we have the you know all of the VQA vineyards yeah so it's um yeah it's it's very different even across one giant nation yeah with the agriculture like right so overall, those are kind of the, the nuts and bolts of the study. Overall, the diets that are vegan and vegetarian and generally lower in meat 
do tend to be healthier, mm -hmm. have reduced your risks of many chronic diseases that are big problems and very common in uh, North America, for sure. Yeah. Um, and they also generally tend to be more sustainable, specifically on greenhouse gases yeah. in a big way, a little bit better in land use and fertilizer use, but not as it's actually a little bit more water intensive. So there isn't like one big holy grail diet for all diets, all people thou shall do all of these because it will solve all of your problems. That doesn't exist because we are, of course, a very complex human yes. like people and physiology and biochemistry is very complex, let alone the complexity of an entire diet. Yes and all of the food that we eat, and then the entire ecosystems of the world where we're talking greenhouse gas, land, water use impact. So there isn't one giant takeaway other than have more plants, yeah. have less meat, and enjoy. You want to hear something <laughs> funny? Yes. A lot of the issues around greenhouse gases with cattle, like one of them is what I talked about before, yes. how you clear forests. But do you want to know the other way that yes. they contribute to greenhouse gases? I know what you're going to say. It's not what you think. It's not <laughs> cow farts. It's cow burps. Burps. Yes. Cow burps. Yeah. Because, the methane in their stomach. I yeah, know. Because methane is a huge contributor to greenhouse gases. It's one of the worst yeah. um, culprits. And uh, cows, because of their ruminants, they, the bacteria in their gut just produces a lot of methane. And so they're constantly burping up methane. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, I've totally went to a seminar at University of Guelph a couple of years ago, and it was all on food and agriculture. You know, it's like Moo you, yeah. um, the agriculture school. And yeah, it was totally, they're like, people think it's farts, but it's really burps. Yeah. The cows just burp too much. Well, I think it's funny because we just, people find farts just really funny. Everybody, even adults, they are right? Funny, yeah. They are funny. So just like cows fart in a way, I think it makes everybody laugh. But no, it's the burp. So yeah. Just reducing our demand for beef will reduce greenhouse gas emissions. So, because there's there's going to be right. less cows out in the fields burping, <laughs> which sounds really funny, methane, but it's true. It, I know it's the sad thing about methane is it's 25 times more yeah. of a greenhouse gas than even carbon dioxide. So it's like for every one kilogram or ton you can reduce of methane, it's like 25 carbon dioxide. So it's such a big impact. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's 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 hard. It's hard on the environment, but you know, it does taste good. I know. We definitely work at reducing our consumption. I've been trying to incorporate more vegetarian meals into our diet. Do you have any um, favorite recipes? Yes. So I love curry, especially like a coconut curry flavor. That's, oh my gosh, I just love the taste of it. So I make a, technically, I think it would be considered a doll, but it's like a lentil, curried lentil, coconut curry lentil, saucy dish over rice. I'm sure there's like a real definition for it, but I just kind of wing it. So I don't really follow any one thing. I just throw lots of curry powder and the garam masala. I just love the flavor of garam masala. And then I make it really creamy with some coconut milk or some coconut cream and put it over some basmati with typically I'm really into Brussels sprouts right now. So I've been eating lots of like, I'll do like a seared Brussels sprout with a balsamic glaze on the side. So that's, that's my go-to when we're trying to do vegetarian meals. And, but I'm pushing myself to do more. So I think I'm going to start making like homemade black bean burgers. Oh, 
very yes. ambitious. I wouldn't yeah. even venture that far. I just yeah. buy the veggie burgers already made. Yeah, no, you can. Yeah, I mean, I, we try and do that too, but um, I've been actually, we've been ordering from HelloFresh and, and uh, trying to get the kids cooking more. So trying to get just more plant-based in our diet as much as possible. What about you? What's your go-to? Oh my gosh. I have the best go-to recipe that I found. It is, and I can't even remember the name, but I've made it so many times, but what it is, it's a sheet pan Mm -hmm. of, uh, and you, you put, you cut up tofu and, and broccoli and, um, red peppers, and you bake those, you grill those, or what is it called in the oven? Broil broil them. Broil. And then you make your rice. But the, you know, the brilliance of this is in the sauce. It's a peanut butter and soy sauce with some ginger and garlic and honey mm. all mixed Oh in. my gosh. Those are so it good. So good. So good. I will yeah. put that link to that recipe in here. It is a go-to, but it is like, okay. I've always been a meat eater. And so when I, you know, have a plant-based meal, it, it has to be like pretty hearty yes. and having peanut sauce is nice and thick yeah with the tofu in like a ton of vegetables and rice it's actually pretty delicious I think it's totally vegan actually and I don't even um it wasn't even an objective to get vegan but it's so good I'm gonna share that one but it's I mean it's important to keep that in mind too like you want meals to be satiating you know and I think that's one of the challenges because plants typically aren't as filling as pro as animal-based protein so you have to make sure you're getting lots of fiber in, which is easy with plants, but you want right. to make sure you're getting good amounts of protein and you want to make sure you're getting a bit of, of the good fats in there as well. And kind of those three, I kind of, I refer to them as the holy trifecta. You can do that with vegetarian and vegan meals, but you have to put a little bit more thought and intention into it to make sure you're covering off those other bases. Right. Awesome. Any last thoughts? Uh, no, just when in doubt, eat more plants right like if you want to get healthier and you want to try and do your part to improve uh, climate change and to work towards climate change just find any way to start adding more plants to your plate that's that's really the the take home and it reduces your risks of a lot of chronic diseases as well yeah it just helps with everything just feels like you're you're taking action and doing your part right that's great thank you so much for sharing this article that was fantastic awesome you're welcome i was so excited to find something that's right up our alley with food and nutrition and a little bit of environmental science thrown in as well yeah awesome it's definitely a, a big concern a big issue we all need to be talking about all right well thank you for joining us today uh, you can follow us on twitter and facebook you can email us researchll at gmail.com if you have any suggestions or any feedback anything else we need to add and we would love if you wanted to subscribe or leave us a review on our podcast that would be great and again as Lindsay said we're open to suggestions so if you have a particular area of interest or a recent really well done study that you'd like reviewed then send it our way thank you awesome have a wonderful day you too (laughs) hey it's lisa This episode of the REIT Search podcast is sponsored by My Credible Health Blog Shop. If you're a nutritionist, dietitian, fit pro, or health coach, the shop contains a ton of done-for-you content to save you time and fill your digital marketing calendar. Every piece of content in the shop is pre-written, well-researched, 
expertly edited and limited edition. As a health pro, you could choose from either long form or mini articles in your field of interest and use them to stay in touch with your audience without having to do the research and content creation yourself. Simply customize and paste them into your blog, email software, or social media platform and hit publish. To check out the Credible Health Blog Shop, visit my website at lisacleach.com. That's L-E-E-S-A-K-L-I-C-H dot com.